With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. I hope you all had a very good weekend. So happy to be with you here on Listen Up as we uh, break down some of the events over the weekend. We got NFL training camps all getting underway this week. And if you are a fan of the Buffalo Bills, it has always already been a bad preseason. As you lose a running back in Hines with a freak jet ski accident, he is out for the year. Unbelievable, huh? Unbelievable. Happens every year. Injuries that don't occur on the game day, right? Doesn't happen during a game. Happens either on the practice field or off the practice field. Just terrible. Again, we see it every single season without fail. All right, we talk about the MLB trade deadline. We zero in on obviously the rumors around Shohei Otani, nothing going on there yet. and. Uh, How about the impact of Saudi Arabia on the sports world? All right? Now think about this for a minute. Think about what they were able to do with the world of professional golf. Okay? Getting some of the game's best players to go play on the Live Golf Tour where money was absolutely no object, all right? Think about that for a minute. They wanted Lionel Messi, couldn't get him. Now they're going after Mbappe, who would receive, I mean, I'm seeing reports from 332 million for a year up to, Close to seven hundred million for the year, based on everything else. Think about that, right? Just think about that for a minute. Think about that. Unbelievable. Seriously, absolutely unbelievable. And I, the reason why I bring this up is, where do we go from here? Five years from now. 10 years from now, right? Where do we, where are we going to be as it pertains to the sports world with the influx of money from 
Saudi Arabia. Think about that. Unbelievable. Incredible. They are luring some of the game's biggest players with an, an insane amount of money. There you go. And think about Messi. He opted to go to Miami of the MLS instead. Very few people walking the earth would be able to get the type of an offer that Messi received. But, oh, my. Incredible. This this could be the tip of the iceberg, all right? I mean, think about Ronaldo, right? Think about that. It's just it's unbelievable. Prince Mohammed bin Salman, okay, is taking the wealth of Saudi Arabia and going, let's go. Here we go. Here we go. And then there comes the political aspect. Is it sports washing, which basically is an attempt to leverage professional sports to clean up their image? Right? Several reports, including a United States intelligence report, said that Muhammad ordered the killing and dismemberment of the Washington Post columnist James Khashoggi, that was back in 2018. But the amount of money we're talking about for Mbappe is insane. Absolutely insane. All right, glad to have you with us. Again, I don't normally talk uh, about international soccer, but th this is going to affect a lot of things. Okay, it already has. Look what it's done to the world of golf. It's rocked. Absolutely rocked that sport. Will it have the same impact on the global sport of soccer? Well, looks like it already is. Looks like it already is. All right, let's move along to uh, Connor. He'll get us off on this week. Hello, Connor. Hey, Grant. How's it going? Good, buddy. How are you? Doing good. So with the Zimbabwe news today, pretty incredible i don't see why the guy wouldn't want to just take the money it's a one-year deal and i've seen reports that he could get up to a total of a billion dollars in earnings and why not just go over there for one year get your money and then come back to the top stage absolutely he wants to go to real madrid that's the that's where we expect him to be next year but you know again for that kind of money you go there for one year and I mean, good Lord, right? I mean, how could you say no to that? Yeah, I don't know how he could. And he's the kind of guy that could spread the game globally on the other side of the world there. Like, I'm sure Ronaldo's already doing in Saudi Arabia. But just to have a guy like him on your team is in the prime of his career to – I don't know how you can pass up that money. It's a pretty interesting topic to learn about. Well, I didn't even know who he was until you brought him to my attention last year because I don't watch soccer that much, and I certainly don't watch it on the world stage. And you turned me on to him, and I really mean that. I had never heard of him before. And after watching the World Cup final with Argentina and France, I was just like, wow, 
And uh, I get it. You know what I mean? I, I get it. So, I mean, if we're talking about an unlimited amount of money, which Saudi Arabia apparently has, who's next? If they get Mbappe, who, who's next to fall, right? And then let's say they only sign him the one-year deal. Let's say Mbappe really likes it. And he's like, man, this is a lot better than I thought. And every year they give him that kind of offer, right? I mean, that's difficult to walk away from. I mean, he could be literally uh, in a position to buy a premier team when he's all said and done. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the type of wealth he could have. Yeah, and then in our neck of the woods, the MLS was able to land Messi. And obviously, I think that has a lot to do with David Beckham and him trying to push for it. But it wasn't an incredible a few days ago to just see the storybook. I mean, the storybook debut for him, the score a last-minute goal like that. That couldn't you couldn't have it any better for the MLS in terms of trying to grow the game. You could not. I mean, that free kick in the, what the ninety second or ninety third minute. I mean, it, it 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 you're right. It could not have gone any better for Miami uh, and the MLS. I mean, it just could not have. I mean, period. You know, the only way this thing could end up being a disaster is if Messi were to go down with a significant injury. Okay, which would take all of the air out of the balloon. And let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I 100% agree. And then kind of switching topics, the last couple of days, obviously the commanders, they have a new ownership group and finally able to get the team sold. So do you think that the new direction they're going in with the new ownership is going to make positive change and make the organization a lot better? Not according to Howard Eskin, who's uh, very outspoken and very well connected in Philadelphia. And he said, based on the ownership of the 76ers, uh, be careful what you wish for. And again, I have a lot of respect for Howard. He put that out uh, a couple of days ago via his social media account. I I would say this, okay? It really can't get much worse than it was as of late. Uh, not as of late, but for the tenure of Daniel Snyder, right? Could it? I mean, if you're looking at this from Washington's perspective and you're a fan, you're thinking, you you, got to be saying to yourself, well, we can only get better, right? We can't get worse. I mean, I don't know how else you would look at that and say, gee, you know, it's going to be worse. So, you know, again, I, I, I don't see it happening, but you know, I, again, I, I, I have a lot of respect for uh, Howard Eskin. Again, he's one of the most outspoken, okay, uh, individuals you could find. But he put three days ago, okay, th- this is exactly what he said, all right, as awful and disgraceful an owner as Daniel Snyder was in Washington, those fans will not be happy with Josh Harris. Just ask Sixers fans. What's really sad is that Josh Harris had to actually read this comment, meaning that during his uh, press conference, he was referring to, he goes, good luck in Washington. He was, uh, Howard continues to write, this guy only cares about, and then he has two dollar signs. So that, that's coming from Howard Eskin in Philadelphia interesting what do you think about i think there are reports of them possibly going over another branding redesign and 
a new name again. It's only been, what, one or two years with the Commanders. I get they're trying to erase all the history of everything that Snyder was connected to, but you really think they should be changing their name and a full rebrand again? Uh, you know, again, as an owner, if that's what they want to do, then yeah, you know, and I, I understand, you know, getting away from, you know, anything affiliated with Daniel Snyder, but um, I, I, that would be, correct me if I'm wrong, unprecedented in the National Football League with a, with a name change like that twice in that quick of succession. So who knows? You know, I mean, this might be uh, just an owner, you as you said, putting his own brand, his own stamp on things. Difficult for me to say, but I'm not crazy about the name Commanders. I'm, I don't know. I, I'm not crazy with the entire trend to change names. I thought it was uh, absurd and beyond my comprehension of how the Cleveland Indians were not able to maintain their nickname of Indians. Like, I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't understand that in any way, shape or form. I'm not even sure I understand removing the name Redskins, although, okay, to, to, to those. And again, I think it's extremely very much in the minority that were offended by the name. Okay. Again, I, I can see it from their perspective. And so for, for that reason, I don't lose sleep. I'm not losing sleep over the Indians, but the point is I can at least see that. I don't understand how you take the Indians out of a nickname. I don't see how that is considered offensive or anything else. I, I'm sorry. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I totally agree. And last thing, you mentioned Naheem Himes at the top of the show, and it just brings me to think how many times – do these athletes get freak injuries like this? You hear it every year. I mean, the yep. guy is just stopped on a, what was it, a something, ski equipment? Jet ski. Jet ski. gets hit. I mean, that's just terrible. It, it really is. It's incredible. I mean, we it happens every year, right? Whether, um, well, look at the Giants during the All-Star break with McKinney, right, uh, on an ATV, right, he, during, during the bye week. Look at what happened to him, right? So, I mean – yeah, it is freak. Uh, it's it's happened as you said. It happens every single year, every single year. We're we're talking about something like this, and it's just incredible to me. I mean, it really is. By the way, I don't know if uh, you started following uh, Carl Banks on Twitter, but if you have not, something that I think you would really enjoy was a podcast that the radio voice of the Giants, Bob Papa, did with Carl Banks. Uh, it was either yesterday or the day before talking about Saquon Barkley, and it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. If you get uh, 15 or 20 minutes or so, I highly uh, encourage you to watch it. It's on both of their social media accounts uh, via YouTube. It's incredible. I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah, I've seen some excerpts from it on Twitter and stuff. Didn't they They were telling Saquon, like, don't be a fool or something and sit out the right. whole year? Right. They were saying, don't be one of these principal guys that instead of doing the right thing, you make your decision based on principle. They, they say, don't go that route. And Carl Banks made a phenomenal point. He said, you know what? He goes, you're not playing in Seattle. Okay. You're not playing in Cleveland. You're playing in New York where you are in a small group of athletes in the city currently one being Aaron Judge, the other now being Aaron Rodgers and Saquon. You're the three biggest names in New York sport. 
you're upset that you didn't get more money. He said, have your team build your income that you feel like you lost up through marketing, which we know Saquon is incredibly marketable. But he said that's only going to happen if you continue to flourish on the field. And if you don't report and things start to spiral, your image will be, will be um, uh, he didn't say completely, but your, your image will be, your legacy won't be the same. Your marketing value won't be the same. And he said, you're, you love playing football. You, that's what you do. You're not going to be able to change the system, okay? Your your situation is based on a bad system. It's not based on how anyone feels about you. It's not based on how the Giants feel about you. It's not based on, you know, your performance. It's based on a system that your union bargained, okay? And you can't be changed until 2030. So why sit out when it's no one's fault other than the system's fault? Okay, it's not the Giants' fault. It's not the fans' fault. It's not the NFL's fault. It's the system's fault. Okay, you are a, a if you want to use the word victim, for making $10 million, but for lack of a better term, you're the result of a system failure in the National Football League as it pertains to their payment structure. You said, don't be a principal guy and sit out and be disgruntled based on principle because there's too much more to this story and your situation than just that. It was very interesting. I, I think you would really enjoy it if you watched the whole thing. Yeah, I sure will. And I think that I wonder if Saquon's thought process about possibly sitting out and wanting more money has anything to do with the fact that there were reports a while ago of him putting most of his salary in the cryptocurrency and then he basically lost most of it. So I wonder if that's a factor in this. Well, I don't think that would be a factor in it. I mean, that that was his decision. That's nobody else's decision. Okay. Um, number two, and I don't know what his portfolio is, but you know, in terms of crypto, if we're if we're talking about Bitcoin, you know, there are many people that think that there's another bull market coming to the crypto market in 2024. And so, you know, as long as you hold on to that. Who knows? You know, you 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 may make you know another a complete fortune at the next bull market, assuming that there is one. I'm not an expert on crypto. I'm just telling you what I've read. There are many people that think that the uh, crypto market is going to surge here in the next uh, 24 months. So again, I, I I'm not an expert on it. I'm I, I'm not. I don't even own crypto. I'm just telling you what I've been reading. It's fascinating to me, but. Um, who, who knows? You know, but I mean, he wouldn't be able to he's not going to hold out. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be on the field playing. There's just no way that Saquon Barkley is not going to play football this year. I mean, he's 25 years old running. He has maybe three good years left. He's not going to hold out. He can't. I mean, his entire legacy and his financial future is tied up to him being on the field. OK, and, and Carl Banks made another great opportunity. Look at those that have come before you, okay? Telemarketing on my phone, sorry. The, the entire history of being an athlete in New York on a big-time stage, okay? 
Look at what has happened to Michael Strahan, right? Look at what's happened to Phil Sims. okay? Look at what Eli Manning has done with ESPN and the Manning cast and so many other things. Look at what Tiki Barber has been able to accomplish, okay? And I can go on and on. When you play for the New York Giants, all right, and you win and you become that guy, you have an, an incredible amount of opportunities post-career. And Carl Banks was saying, don't throw that away. You're not going to find that in Seattle. You're not going to find that in Cleveland. You're not going to find that in other towns. You will find that in New York. And he said, all you need to do is look at those that have come before you, okay, and and how successful they've been with post-playing careers. And he mentioned a couple of others. I'm just picking out some right off the top of my head. And he's right. He's 100% right. Carl Banks is 100% right. Carl, by the way, is another one. You know, Carl had a great career in New York, and now he's the, you know, analyst and works for the New York Giants and is uh, does very well for himself. All right? I mean, Saquon would be foolish to pass that up. Yeah, I look at the precedent that was set by Le'Veon Bell. It was in the same New York market. He was arguably the best running back in football, close to Saquon status. And, and look, he sat out the whole year, and then his career never recovered after that. Yeah, but he sat out when he was with the Steelers, right? Not with the Jets. Oh, yeah, my mistake. And then last thing I have is, did you see or hear anything about the reported meeting over the weekend that Austin Eckler held? With some of the league yes. running backs? Yeah, and again, okay, so they had a, a Zoom meeting, and a lot of the running backs got involved with it. Okay, so what is it that they're trying to accomplish? General managers understand their plight. They sympathize with them. They get that. The, 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 the coaches and general managers are not against running backs, okay? What they are is they have to assign a dollar value to each position based on the way the salary cap, hard cap, the numbers are, okay? And so they put a value, and that's not going to change because running backs are having a Zoom meeting. They're not going to change the way the game is played. They're not going to change that. It's just not. And the reality is there are a top of really, there are a top of, Excuse me. There are a few running backs that separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Okay. We can name four or five of them. Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and throw in two or three others. Okay. After that, and again, I'm using this as a way to explain where I'm coming from. There are a dime a dozen. So if you are a general manager of an NFL team and you have a hard cap, and the cap is fluctuate or determined greatly by who your quarterback is and how much you have to pay your quarterback. Well, then you have to decide, okay, wait a minute. I need this amount of money for my edge rusher. I need this amount of money for my cornerbacks. I need this amount of money for my offensive tackles. You have to prioritize what are the most important positions. I need this amount of money for my wide receiver. And, oh, yeah, I have this amount left over for my running back. I mean, that's just the way that it is. And that's what Carl Banks said. This is not the Giants front office being disgruntled at Saquon or trying to screw him over. It's a system that has done this to the running backs. So by them having a meeting, what what good is that going to do? 
I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to change the system. You can't change the system until the collective bargaining agreement expires at the end of this decade. Well, all of these running backs are going to be out of the league by then. They're not going to be playing by the end of the decade because their career will be over. So what is it that they're trying to accomplish? They're not going to accomplish anything. I mean, it's just a way for them to kind of air out their frustrations amongst their peers who sympathize with them. But it's not going to change anything. Not going to change anything at all. What are they going to do? Not play? They're going to say, well, gee, well, all the running backs are going to boycott the NFL. Okay, goodbye. Then we'll bring up the next you know, group of running backs who are looking to make money and who are looking to play. I mean, that's just, it's, it's simple economics. It's supply and demand, but it's also the way the system is. The system is not going to change between now and 2030. It can't change. It's been collectively, collectively bargained. These running backs don't have any choice. It's a bad system. They are the, for lack of a better term, the victim. They're the result of a bad system. There's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, one of the reported ideas that I heard was discussed in that meeting was that the players would over-exaggerate injuries and kind of, I don't know, sit out more than they really need. And that has to be some sort of breach of a contract, right? You can't just... Like well, so 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 what you're telling me, so what you're telling me, okay, is, and again, I'm using this as an example. Saquon Barkley, who is beloved by his teammates, they love him, they love everything about him, his smile, his passion, the way he plays the game. Okay, you're gonna now fake it. You're gonna walk into the Giants locker room with your head down, moping, and you're gonna be unprofessional. And when you are nicked up, instead of going back into the game. You're going to sit on the bench? Really? So you're going to have your entire persona and who you are changed over a system that is nobody's fault? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Why Why would you do that? I mean, uh, and again, I'm using you're a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan. I'm using Saquon as an example. Everything about Saquon has been about the team, team, team. Everything has been about him getting on the field. Everything has been about him, you know, smiling and feeling great with the fans. Now, because of a bad system and a meeting that you had over a Zoom call, you're going you're gonna to sit out games when you're nicked up? Really? You're going to lose the locker room. You're going to have the fans turn on you. You're going to have the media turn on you. Oh, and now Michael Strahan, Phil Sims, Tiki Barber, their postseason careers that you could have, you've tossed out the window. Are you really going to do that if you're Saquon Barkley? Again, as Carl Banks said, don't be a principal guy. Okay, this isn't anyone's fault. This is just the way it is. Yeah, that's that was my first point that I brought up with. I just don't understand. The goal of the players with with a team is to win a championship. Obviously, you're going to get paid money. He's getting $10 a year if he wants to take it. I just don't understand why, and I don't think he will, put getting a few more million over the team's success. It doesn't make any sense in any way shape or form for any of these running backs well in this case there can only be three but pollard signed his tender and he's going to be in camp but josh jacobs and saquon barkley the reality is their show life is a small one history tells you running backs in the nfl look at ezekiel elliott he went from being arguably the best running back in football or one of the best 
and overnight, overnight became just another running back in the NFL. So much so that he's not even on the Cowboys and he was replaced by Tony Pollard. Okay. Saquon Barkley is what? Three years away from being Ezekiel Elliott. Josh Jacobs is three years away from being Ezekiel Elliott. If you're Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, and let's just say you get tagged three years in a row, you're really going to give up 30 plus million dollars. And in Saquon's case, you're going to have an entire city that you have in the palm of your hand where you are a megastar. The fans love you. The organization loves you. The media loves you. You're going to throw all of that out the window because of a system that is bad and you just happen to be the victim of a bad system. I mean, you're not going to do that. Saquon will come to his senses and he'll get his bad feelings out of his system. And when he watches his teammates on the field and he has his friends calling him that are on the team and you know, it will pass, you know what? It will pass. And again, you know, Carl Banks made another great point. He said, I held that at two training camps. He goes, I get it. He goes, but he goes, I didn't have, you know, uh, a franchise tag to save me. I was, he goes, I was one of the best linebackers in football. I held that at camp twice. Said, I didn't have a franchise tag to fall back on of $10 million. You know, it's a different era. You know, these guys should be grateful that they're in a system that allows them to be tagged where they have a guaranteed $10.1 million for playing in the National Football League. They should be grateful for that system. They shouldn't be having Zoom calls talking about, well, gee, we're not going to give it our all. Hey, if you turn your ankles, sit out, don't play. That's not going to do anything. Okay, There isn't going to be any more money that's going to be coming down the pipeline for you as a running back. The money does not exist because it's a hard cap. So you can have running backs say, we're not playing. Good. Don't play. You think that you think NFL teams are going to line up without running backs? Hell no. They will always find running backs who want to play and will play. I mean, there's nothing these guys can do about it. Yes, it sucks. Maybe you could say it's unfair. I'm okay with saying it's unfair. Listen, I think it's unfair that Daniel Jones is making 40 million this year and Saquon's making 10. Do I think that's unfair? Yeah, you know what? I do. Okay. Do I think it's unfair that, you know, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams are making, you know, twice as much as Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I do. I do think it's unfair. Okay. But guess what? That's the way the system is. It's not a fair system. And and it's not going to change between now and while all these guys are playing. They're all going to be retired. They're all going to be done when the next collective bargain agreement is signed. They're going to be done. They're not going to be playing. They're going to be retired. So what are they going to accomplish right now? Nothing. Go to work. Make your money. Yeah, I'll end with this. You said that Saquon could be three years away from being Ezekiel Elliott and basically a nobody and out of the league. The other, the flip side of that, I think they're two or three years away that he could be holding the Lombardi trophy with what the Giants have done. So you want to either pick the goal of winning, go get a championship, try to win games with your team, 
or do you want to mope around for years? I mean, it's up to him at the end of the day. Again, all you need to do is look at the previous players on the Giants who have been the toast of the town and won Super Bowls. And just look at what they're doing in their post-careers. Okay? I mean, is there a better example than Michael Strahan and what he was able to do after winning a Super Bowl with the Giants? Look at his career. Right? I mean, there's Exhibit A. to become one of the biggest media stars in America. I mean, Saquon could be Michael Strahan easily. I mean, he's got every attribute to be a big-time star post-football. He's got it. You know, he has that it. He has that charisma. He's on the biggest stage, you know, in America, in New York, right? He's right there. He's got it in the palm of his hand. Don't screw it up. Yeah, I agree. That's all I got today. Good conversation. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash grant. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move along. Let's get to uh, Trent. Hello, Trent. How are you? Good afternoon, Grant. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, I was listening to what you were saying at the beginning of the show about the uh, the Saudis having uh, they're 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 coming along, right? And and in the Open Championship yesterday, I, Henrik Stenson was the only live guy that finished uh, on top of all the guys that were on the live tour. He finished thirteenth place. And then Oosthuizen yep. uh, was 23rd, I think. And then, you know, I, I just I saw your rant today about uh, Brian Harmon. I thought it was really good, and I just thought that um, his performance yesterday was he he beat he just beat everything. And so it was really inspirational. And then with the live influence and with the Saudi influence, um, I did go to the uh, Barracuda Championship back on Saturday, and I followed Cameron Champ for nine holes. And I just have to say that um, there was 
the, the fan turnout for that event was uh, a bit. Uh, it was really it was really small. Uh, in the, there weren't a lot of people there in attendance. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts were. Might thoughts might be on why would the PGA Tour schedule an event on a weekend of a major, and it's like the only weekend of the year where they would have. It, it and granted, it is a PGA Tour and DP World Tour event where both tours were there, but just like, why do they need that when they have the Open? So anyway, well, because the Open, uh, you know, there are a lot of players that don't qualify to play in the Open, and as long as the PGA has a sponsor for that particular weekend, and they're making money, then they're going to do it. So I, I don't know how else to, you know, answer that. You have to qualify. Uh, to play in the open and yeah. there's only so many spots and there are a lot of good players that aren't in the open, but I, I'm with you. I mean, you're never going to have a marquee event on the same weekend as a major championship. You're just not, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, following Cameron champ was just amazing. He's such a, a skilled and uh, amazing golfer to watch. And uh, it was amazing to see him, saw his dad and uh, he was following him. And so, it was just great to see those guys. And Brian Harmon, you know, you got to hand it to him. He, you know, I, I heard what you're saying on your rant about people yelling at him on the tee, you know, getting the bunker and it was really rude and all that stuff. But it's like, at the end of the day, they don't want an American to win their tournament. And uh, yep, it was, it was, you know, sportsmanship or, or how do you, how, how like fans heckling players or whatever they do, at least, at least they, they didn't yell in his backswing. So, yeah. They're really yeah, you know really, what? And listen, it's, 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 the same thing happens in the United States. Okay, the United States fans have gotten on Sergio Garcia for years. Yeah. They used to destroy Colin Montgomery when he played over here. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like American fans don't do the same thing to you know uh, golfers from other parts of the world that they they don't really care for. I mean, Montgomery got razzed like you cannot believe playing in America. Colin yeah. Montgomery was you know again the victim of or you know, victim may not be the right word, but I mean, he, he always got the wrath of fans in America. Always. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was common knowledge. I mean, that's sports, you know, as you said, as long as it doesn't happen in someone's backswing, you can live with it. Yeah. And, and, and for the, you know, got to commend the fans for staying out in the rain the way they did. And, and just that's, you know, the, he beat the golf course, he beat the weather, he beat the climate, he beat everybody out there on the golf yeah. course. It was just such an inspirational, uh, uh, yeah. thing to watch so yeah and all the wild you, so, you know this just just you know this but rain is rain is a non-issue for people on that in that part of the world i mean they don't it yeah. doesn't change whether they're inside or outside or what they're doing and really it has no bearing on their life because it rains so much so i yeah. i understand what you're saying from a tv perspective and watching it you're like wow look at all the fans there but that's part of their culture rain does not really affect how they live their life or what they do on a daily basis. And also with all of the rain, I mean, this is what, this is exactly what you just said, the rain and its effect on the golf course and, and not seeing any puddling, you know, cause I think I have a feeling that that golf course is probably built on a, like a sand dune where the sand just sucks the water yep. away. Unbelievable yep. how that water just was not a problem on the golf course. You know, Augusta national had the sub airs on uh, all throughout the masters this yep. year and they could not, stop the rain as well as a uh, open championship venue would be able to. So it was just awesome. I, I hope I get to play a Lynx course one of these days. And I know you played in, you played St. Andrews in Scotland. I just hope I get the chance to see and play one of those courses. Yep. You should appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate Bye -bye. it. Thanks. Have a good day.
Bye-bye. You know what I mean? He makes a good point about, you know, the rain. But if rain affected the golf courses over in that part of the world, you mean, the, the, you would, I mean, there are times when you can't play. I mean, there, there are times when the golf course becomes unplayable. So it's not like it never happens, but it, it takes an incredible weather system uh, for that to occur. I mean, it really does. And and over in Scotland and England, I mean, even in the worst of conditions, as long as there's not lightning, you will see players out there trying to play. Okay, I mean, whereas it's difficult to keep the ball on the green without the wind blowing it off. I mean, you know, you, you'll actually see, and the rain coming sideways, you'll still see people out there trying to golf in those conditions. That's just the way it is. Just the way it is. All right, let's move along. Let's get to uh, some other uh, folks that want to get on here on Listen App, and we uh, bring on Jerry. Hello, Jerry. How are you today? Hey, Grant. How are you, sir? Good, man. How'd your MRI go? You get your results back? Uh, yes, I did, Grant. Um, I have uh, arthritis uh, in my neck and in my shoulders, and when that flares up, my blood pressure rises. So oh, the uh, doctor's going to send me to a specialist to see what they can do for that. Well, good luck, buddy. Thanks, Grant. Hey, Grant, I got a couple things for you, Grant. Uh, with Saquon Barkley, Grant, do you think that him, if he wants to uh, set out the whole year, Grant, and the backup for the Giants, Grant, what if he has a banner here? What do you think the Giants are going to do with Barkley? Well, that there were a lot of ifs there. I don't think Saquon's going to sit out even a game. Uh, but if that were the case, they would probably move on from him. I mean, they, 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 at that point, if Saquon does not play this year, the Giants will tag him again next year. I mean, he's not, I, he's, it's just, I don't see him doing that. I just, I do not see him doing that. Grant, let me ask you this. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, sir, how the franchise tag works, Grant, but is there any way that maybe they're going to give him the franchise tag and maybe they're going to, behind closed doors, give him extra extra money? Uh, no. Could that be possible? Okay. No, it's not possible. It's not going to happen. Do you think that's ever happened, Grant, to other players that they franchise? No, I don't think it happens. Um, they're, the checks and balances of the National Football League are such that it's not worth it to even attempt to do that. Uh, no, I, I don't, not, not at all. I don't think that goes on. And I, I think that the penalty would be so severe that a team would not even try to do that. So no, I, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Grant, let me ask you this. So what would the penalty be if they're caught doing that to the owner? What, uh, what could the penalty be? Maybe some draft picks, maybe. Yeah. You probably lose some first round picks. You probably have a, uh, the largest fine in the history of the NFL. It's just, it's not going to happen. That doesn't go on. You know, Grant, and you know, Grant, there's one thing that I've always wanted to ask you. And uh, you know what, like when you're home and you're sitting down on your couch or your recliner, do you like when you're watching your New York football giants, do you ever like do play by play? Uh, just no, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, first of all, I, first of all, I'm very rarely watching one game. I'm normally watching uh, three to four games at once unless it's Sunday night football or Monday night football or something like that. But no, I, I don't. I used to. I mean, when right. I was a kid, I used to do that. But uh, no, not anymore. I mean, again, I used to do it all the time. But that was before I had a job. 
I mean, and I mean that that's when I was right. trying to learn how to do broadcasting and play by play. And, you know, I would do that quite often, but no, not now. Grant, would you say that, uh, Watching your New York football giants, would you say that you've had uh, better years than bad years? Uh, no, I've had many more bad years than good years. It's not even close. I mean, the Giants, from when I started going to the games in 1962, uh, the Giants were horrible, horrible for a span of almost 20 years where they never made the playoffs. So, awful. So, I mean, in my adult life, um, I would say the fact that I've witnessed four Super Bowls, but I can't, you know, you said in my life, I mean, no, I mean, my childhood and for the the early part of being a Giants fan, I mean, they, they won their first Super Bowl in 87. All right. I started going to the, some of the games in 62 and before 87, they were rarely in the playoffs. Okay, so I can't just erase that from my memory. I mean, the Giants were one of the worst teams in football for my childhood growing up. But, you know, again, I have had I've had watched them win four Super Bowls. So I I consider myself blessed as a fan of that organization. And I was at two of the four. You know, Grant, uh, uh, probably just like me, Grant, um, I would get all my chores done Friday Saturday and then Sunday would be all day football. Even though the Niners sucked uh, just a few years ago, uh, three and thirteen, four and twelve, one and fifteen, right? I was always there watching those guys, knowing that they're going to get their ass kicked. I was there watching those guys. Are are you the same, Grant? I never missed a game. Never wow. missed a game. Wow. I mean, I'll never forget this. I'll, when the Giants beat the Denver Broncos during the regular season. Right. Of 86, 87. Well, it was technically 86. The Super Bowl was January 25th, 1987. But I was working at a TV station in Decatur, Illinois. And I used to be able to get uh, all of the games on our satellite dish at the radio or at the TV station on Sunday. So I would go into the TV station. My buddy would turn the satellite dish around for me to be able to watch the Giants. Unless... The game was on NBC because they used a thing back then called K-bands. We didn't have the ability to get a K-band. So I figured out, because that was the national game on NBC, but it was, Decatur was part of the uh, area where they showed the Bears, okay? And because of that, the Bears that day were on NBC instead of the Giants game. So I had to go find a market in my area that was carrying the game. And I found that in Peoria, they were airing the Giants-Broncos game. So I got in my car. I drove almost three hours, pulled up to a shopping mall. Walked into the shopping mall and I walked into Sears. Okay. Right. And I walked into the TV department at Sears, stood there and watched the New York Giants Denver Broncos game. And that was the game in which George Martin picked up a fumble and ran 78 yards wow. towards the end of the game with Lawrence Taylor leading the way as a lead blocker. 
and the Giants beat the Broncos in that regular season game, and they ended up playing in the Super Bowl a, a little bit later. But I was um, – I'll never forget this. The guy from Sears goes, may I help you? And the first thing I did, you know, me being the obnoxious person I am, I went into Sears and I turned all of the TVs onto the Giants-Broncos game, all right, because there were only a couple. So I was sitting in an area oh my God. of the – no, I did. I went in. I I literally Grant, turned. I can totally see you doing that, Grant. Oh my god! I did. And and the, and the guy comes up to me and goes, "Can I help you?" I go, "Well, you know what? If the Giants win a game, maybe I'll buy a TV from you." Okay. And he says, "Okay, no problem." And I stood there in the in the TV in the TV section at Sears to watch that game. So I never missed a game, and I I never ever missed a game. I made it was part of my life. It was part of who I was. It was how I was brought up, and it didn't matter whether the team was good or bad or whether they were out of the playoff picture. Oh I God. never missed a game. I watched every single game. Grant, did he ever threaten to call security on you? No, because I was uh, controlling myself until the George Martin fumble returned. Right. Uh, I was, I was, you know, I was cognizant of the fact that there were customers and everything around, and I, I didn't want to get kicked out of the store. So I actually was fairly well behaved during that period of time. But I did at first. I, I am not exaggerating. I walk in to Sears, go to the TV section and literally turn all of the TVs onto the Giants Broncos game. Grant, let me ask you one more thing, Grant. Do you think, Grant, if the 49ers, if they stay healthy this year, Grant, can you see them winning a Super Bowl or can they win one yes. with Kyle Shanahan? Yes, yes, I think they could. I think uh, their biggest competition is going to be Philadelphia. You can't forecast injuries, but I think that they have a Super Bowl caliber roster if they get to play from the quarterback. I think they could, absolutely. I think they're clearly uh, the best team in the NFC West, and I think that other than Philadelphia, right, they're as good as any team in the NFL, and they might be as good as Philadelphia, but I'm saying I don't see any team currently – in the NFC that I would put ahead of Philadelphia and San Francisco. Grant, when are you going to do your, uh, you know, when your shows, when you're going to predict about the teams, what they're going to win, what they're going to lose the week before the first game. And the reason for that is injuries okay. in preseason can change how I forecast a season. And right. I need to wait until the week before the first game. But Grant, let's just say hypothetically, you know what, right now, how many wins would you give the Niners if they're a healthy team? I would give them 13. Oh, wow. So 13 and four. Wow, that's nice. What about Philadelphia, Grant? Around the same. Okay. I think Philadelphia is going to be really, really good. Well, Grant, you know, thank you for taking my call, sir. And uh, thank you for asking about our MRI. You know, really appreciate yep. it. And I'm very surprised that you remember that, Grant. You know, that's what makes you special, my friend. Thank you very much, Thank Grant. you, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. All right. Good hearing from Jerry. And we get to uh, John. John, welcome to the program. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right, Grant. How are you? I'm good, man. Hey, first thing, Jerry, man, keep fighting the good fight, buddy. Keep fighting the good fight. And, uh, he gave me some kind words last week and I'll give him kind words too. He's always got good content also. And he's got a good yep. call and a good voice and good energy. I really like that, man. And I'm, 
We're all on your side, Jerry. I'm looking right at you now at your little, at your emoji. We're all on your side, buddy. Thank um, you, buddy. I want, yeah, but of course, that goes without saying, even if I don't say it sometimes, I absolutely mean that to everybody, anybody who's, through going, who's going through troubles. Trent called a little while ago. That guy is one of the most knowledgeable golf fans that I've ever heard. I've never met him in person, but man, he's, he's always got something good to say. And that's great. And the way that um, you two were talking about and you yourself, we're talking about Brian Harmon. He's a guy I've heard of. I've seen his name on the board a handful of times, but I'd never seen him play the way he did. And what he did, he didn't even beat the golfers. He just beat that course. The way I saw it, Grant, he beat the course. He took that course to town like Tiger Woods used to do to courses. Yeah, yep, absolutely. I mean, what he did on the weekend where it wasn't even competitive, where he just blew away the field, is remarkable. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable. I mean, think about this. John Rahm shoots a 63 on Saturday, okay, to try to get back. And at one point, John was making a little bit of a move yesterday, but he shoots the 63 on Saturday. And he's out early. He shoots a 63. It doesn't even phase Brian Harmon, you know? Hey, Harmon, he could have had a double bogey on the final hole. Yeah. Yep. And it, the playing partner, I don't know who was he playing against. Hey, he could have had uh, a eagle, a double eagle, and Harmon still would have won. I mean, it is. He, he had that wrapped under his left-handed finger. And the way he swings, I kind of – I kind of got a little kick out of the the overseas fans razzing him a little bit and him just kind of looking at him a little bit, squint his eyes, you know, and keep yeah. going through his he, motions and keep it yeah, up. He would man. be he would be he would be a guy that I would hate to play with. Okay. I know it. Um we, Myself, we had a guy like that. We had we had a guy like that in our Scotland trip. And he literally takes forever. <laughs> However, However, he was shooting in the 70s every day on these courses in Scotland. So, you know what? You really can't. Here's the deal. Guys that yeah. take a lot of time. You get over it suck. pretty quick. Yeah, you know, guys that guys that take a lot of time that still can't hit the ball, that, 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 those are the people that I can't, I cannot play with them. But if a guy goes through his routine that is absurd and he ends up shooting a 73 or a 74, okay, I can live with that. But if a guy's shooting... 95 or 100 and he's doing that get your ass off the course get the hell off the golf course all right or you're not playing with me all right that's not i can't deal with that hey i am on board fully with you there because i mean what you have to do if you're not that good you got to swing more and when you swing more you do it quicker so you can't sit around and and just kind of emulate somebody else's somebody else's pre-swing routine and think that you're going to swing like him anymore I mean, look at all. Yep. Look at how many baseball players used to need to take their gloves off before each swing and take them off and rewrap yeah. them and re-alcrow them and touch their thigh and then and then both shoulders and then swing away. Yep. Well, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily make them a better hitter, and it definitely doesn't make people who aren't good hitters to begin with better hitters. Repetition is what's going to make you better. Repetition of the swing itself is going to make you better. So I kind of like the way that he he just went on with his business and let the fans not really like it too much, where, like you said, you know, if I was playing with him, I probably wouldn't like it too much. But, you know, I'd get over it when I see him drive every single one, you know, yep. right in the middle of the fairway or right, right where he wants it. So he's got a good approach. Yep. 
yep. he was he was really fun to watch and and for a guy like you said underdogs you talked about on uh was it yesterday's or today's whichever's ran whichever one today under today it's easy to root for underdogs i love doing that it is it is it's great man appreciate it buddy good hearing from you thank you grant and thank you trent and jerry fight the good fight my friend good stuff right there all right let's get to uh, some other phone calls we say hello to al on this monday al how are you today i'm good nate how you doing my man i'm good man good to hear your voice oh thank you hey uh I was going to say, uh, I loved your rant on the, you know, I love underdogs. And I was thinking to myself, you know, we were talking a couple months ago. Uh, there was some kind of a, someone did a real bonehead play in a game. I forget what happened. And I called you and said, and we were talking about some of those classic bonehead plays in sports. And you, and I said, hey, rant, rant, do a rant on, you should do a rant on this. Or not a rant, but a, but a podcast. And you did a wonderful podcast. And when you did the podcast, you interpersed at the, the play call uh, of the play, yep. like the like the guy having a meltdown at the British Open. I forget what that was. And Leon Lett, I, that was my favorite. John whether, Vanderbilt, you know? Leon Lett, yeah. Yep. yep. But Leon Lett, but I'm thinking, how about uh, Grant Napier, some of the great underdog stories in sports history for a podcast? Yeah, I mean, I could do it. Yeah, you know, maybe sometime I could do that. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. My, some of my top ones for me as a young guy, when I started following the Rams in 68, the Colts, those Baltimore Colts losing to the Jets, that, that was always, always, always going to be my top five. Yeah, 1969. Well, the greatest underdog uh, story in the history of sports, not only the history of American sports, but the history of sports, in my opinion, is the 1980 Miracle on Ice, the United States hockey team. You know, to me, that is without question – uh, the most incredible underdog story that I've ever witnessed in my 64 years of being on earth. Yeah, I hear you. I, I knew you were going to go there. I was thinking some of the other ones like Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Who the hell was this guy? Nate? This guy just comes out of no, yep. nowhere. I didn't even know who he was. And he's, and then he disappeared never to be heard from again. He made his money and walked away. And I just yep. want to end my yep. comment by saying, I hope the giants, Hold the line with Barkley, man. I am tired of Nate. I'm tired of these guys. Look, it's a passing league, man. They, hey, Al, league. Al, they don't have a choice. It's not about holding the line. They don't have any recourse. I mean, the system is set up where the Giants exercise a clause in the system, and the Giants can't do anything. The Giants can't change the contract. Can't change. The, there's nothing that can be done. It's 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 in stone. So it's not like holding their line. They're not holding the line. It, it's not even about that. They're not trying to punish him or whatever, Al. It's the right. system. You know, it's just the way it is. So it's not about the Giants holding their line. They can't go, oh, come back into work and we'll give you more money. No, they offered him a deal. He turned it down. Um, and so he has to play under the tag. That's all there is to it. I got you. That, that, that was my bad. I'm, I'm not always that. I don't care for like the salary cap and all that part of the sport. I think Jerry mentioned this once. I'm the same as Jerry. I don't get it. I don't even want to try to get it, but I didn't realize that. But, uh, you know, these guys, though, you know, 10 million, the, the players signed a, signed a bargaining agreement for the franchise tag and nobody, they don't like it. Why don't they just renegotiate and change it? They signed off on it. The players union did, didn't they? Yep. Yes, they did. They agreed with the and system. You know, That's the way it is. And you look at today's world, man, I'm sorry. You know, I, 
you know, Latrell Sprewell was worried about feeling his, feeding his family on $9 million a year about 20 years ago. I'm like, come on, man. There's people out of work. You know, this is the world. I just can't have any sympathy. It's a, it's the league. The nature of the league, the game is now certain positions are going to change in value. Quarterbacks always could be number one. Then an edge rusher is now maybe, you know, number two. Because you got to have a guy who can bring the heat on the quarterbacks. So it's just in, the league changes in priority. You, you, there's a yeah. book out there. What color is your parachute, man? If you you got to be ready because your product, your service, or whatever you do might be yesterday's news tomorrow. So you better be yeah. ready to adjust. And some running backs like Christian McCaffrey, he doesn't just run the ball. He, he goes on. He's like a receiver. So, you know, you got to – and Barkley can – he's definitely uh, – if you know, you got all the tools, but you know, just just play ball, man. You know, just shut up and play, man. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. All out. right, buddy. Take care. Thank you. All right, you too. Again, it's the system. You know, he is the result of a, a bad system for running backs. That's it. There's nothing they can do about it. You know, it's not like the Giants don't want Saquon Barkley. It's not like they don't value him. They do value him. I mean, they do. They like Saquon Barkley. Actually, they love Saquon Barkley. They love the guy. I mean, you know, if, if it weren't for a hard cap, they'd give him a lot of money. They can't. You know, they can't. They had to prioritize the quarterback. They had to prioritize their defensive line with Dexter Lawrence, the contract for, you know, Williams. They have to, you know, they have a they, – they, they just – it is what it is. It's the way the NFL has worked now. It's unfortunate if you're a running back in the NFL. It's the way it is. You know, I mean, the, the, the reality is that Josh Jacobs of the Raiders was their best player last year on offense. He couldn't get a deal. It's just the way it is. You know, it's the, it's the running back position in the NFL right now. And these players who are really good are caught up in a bad system for running backs. Okay? It's not the GM's fault. It's not the owner's fault. It's not the coach's fault. Okay? It's the system. And doesn't mean that their teams don't value them or don't want them or are upset at them. It has nothing to do with that. The Giants love Saquon Barkley. Okay? I mean, if you're if you're looking at it from the Raiders' perspective, Josh Jacobs had the best year of any running back in football last year. Okay. Period. But that's the way it goes. Now it doesn't mean that franchise feels this way about you or feels that way about you. Uh-uh. Doesn't it's not that way at all. You only have so much of the pie to distribute. And unfortunately, running backs are not getting enough of the pie. And so you have a choice to make. Go to work. Make you $10 million or stay at home and don't make $10 million. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock Pacific. I'll be over on YouTube with my open forum Q&A. That's tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks. Good show today. Loved it. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.